Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast, where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. It is March 13th, 2023, and as far as Mondays go, this one has been insane. We are coming off one of the busiest news periods in my entire career as a journalist covering startups and venture capital. There is a ton to get to, so I did bring in Natasha Moscarenas to chat about that towards the end of the show. However, we do have a couple of things to hit first, so I'll take care of those, then we'll bring her on, and we'll do all the SVB that you're little heart can take. Now, before we jump into the actual news, though, one production note, which is that I am hosting TechCrunch Live this week on Wednesday. We have Ariana Huffington from Thrive Global, and we have Mamoon from Kleiner Perkins. We're going to talk about her company, VC, and all that, and I presume as well what's been going on with SVB and their reactions to it. So that show just got a whole lot more fun. It was already going to be great, but we'll see you on Wednesday for that. Now, the news. And we're going to kick off this episode of Equity Monday with our usual look at the world of stocks. Over in Asia, shares have been mostly mixed. Some indices are up, some indices are down. Then in Europe, it's pretty much red across the board. Shares took massive hits. I'm seeing two, two and a half percent drops at major indexes there. It's not good. So you might think that here in America, very close to the recent crisis, stocks would also be down, but haha, they are not. So why is that? Well, it seems that given the recent chaos, investors are now betting that the American Federal Reserve, our kind of central bank, will not raise interest rates as quickly as expected. And that's good for stocks. So essentially, bad news leads to less Fed tightening, and that's good for shares. Sure, it's a weird counter rally, but that's where we are. And if you thought the stock market was pretty wild, just wait till you hear what's going on in the world of crypto. Okay, first, the good news. Bitcoin is pumping like mad. It's over the $24,000 mark when I wrote these notes, and it was still rising. ETH is also doing very well, around $1,700 and also rising. And then there's stable coins, which have mostly recovered. Over the weekend, we saw USDC lose its peg over possible exposure by its parent company to SVB. That's been sorted out. Tether is doing fine. And I think this brings a little bit of calm to the overall investment picture of crypto. Finally, the overall crypto market cap is back over the $1 trillion mark. That kind of matters because it fell below that recently. So stocks up and down, crypto mostly up, and the chaos still unfolding. Now, before we do get into the SVB saga and where we are at the moment, two other bits of news that really matter. From the world of M&A, the Qualtrics deal to go private is going to go through. Now, Qualtrics is an experience management software company that TechCrunch has covered for a very long time. Why? Well, it was a hot startup, then it was a big, expensive startup, then it nearly went public, but it sold to SAP instead. Then SAP spun it out as a partial IPO, and now for $12.5 billion, it's going in private thanks to Silver Lake and the Canadian Pension Plan Investment Board. What a saga. Two things matter here. One, shows that mega deals are still possible even in the current M&A environment. And two, that without IPOs, we'll still see some activity. And then moving from software to electric vans, let's talk about Rivian. So Rivian, it turns out, is in discussions with Amazon 
to dissolve the exclusivity of their commercial EV van deal. Now, the journal reported this, and initially, I had it backwards. I thought this meant that Amazon was pulling away from Rivian, not Rivian getting more space from Amazon. However, TechCrunch set me straight. We wrote that if successful, this would allow Rivian to be free to sell its commercial all-electric vans to other customers. Now, this isn't done yet, but essentially, Rivian could be free to widen its customer base, drive more volume, and therefore, hopefully, get its economics to a better place. We've seen from a number of EV companies that are public that it's very expensive to get up to volume and therefore commercial viability. So perhaps Rivian, still friends with Amazon, but also friends with others, will do better and do better faster. All right, now I'm going to bring on my dear friend, Natasha Mascarenas. You know her from, I mean, every episode of Equity, (laughs) and she has been in the mix of this for a long time. Natasha, so much to talk about when it comes to SVB, but I want to go back in time because if you recall, when we recorded the Friday episode last week, which we did on Thursday afternoon, as we always do, we started with a little bit on SVB and I talked about the financial transactions and so forth which seemed to fall off the face of the map immediately as important because everything went to hell. So shall we pick up Friday in which <laughs> everyone is, is losing their collective minds and then the government steps in? So pick us up there and give us a little bit of a into the weekend teaser. Yes, perfect. Um, yeah, to give you a sense, after that recording, we very much went head down trying to better understand how venture capitalists were advising portfolio companies on handling one of their biggest banking partners, SVB Banks, you know, over half of US banked venture startups. What are they doing next? And I feel like by Friday, we got some answers. One was the biggest news was that regulators officially stepped into SVB, wound down the bank and are taking over, which was, Alex, I mean, that was insane to read and write. I mean, earthquake. I, I mean, it's just so crazy. This time last week, Silicon Valley Bank was on paper, fully capitalized, operating, no signs of issue. And then, you know, they make this financial announcement and then everyone realizes how much like issue there might be with their overall asset base. Yes. And then everyone panics. VCs yank. I think it was like a total of 42 billion flowed out of Silicon Valley Bank in a short period of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I think like we started to see a lot of those big numbers pull around, which I think definitely adds Added to the panic, even though those were the, the facts we could go to, which was one was like more than 85% of SVB's deposits were not insured. And the bank, as of um, its last disclosure, was handling some $175 billion in customer accounts. So there was so much at stake. And then, you know, now we see startups heading into the weekend thinking about two things, which is payroll on Monday and then contagion. Is this going to happen with other banks? And I feel like that's still the topic. Yeah. And so <laughs> the contagion part we'll get to in a second, but the payroll thing, uh, Everyone was very scared that startups essentially would not be able to pay their employees this week, that they wouldn't be able to pay their cloud bills, and that they would essentially just just die on the vine if they couldn't get access to their deposits. And everyone kind of expected that up to the $250,000 normal limit for FDIC deposit insurance would be covered. But past that, it wasn't clear. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that the FDIC deposit insurance fund had plenty of capital, uh, which I think everyone in the banking world has paid into. And so that's going to be used to solve the near-term issues. And the government announced on Sunday evening, if memory serves, it has been a crazy couple of days, (laughs) that depositors would be made whole and would also be liquid as of Monday morning, which I think, Natasha, dampened some of the chaos on Twitter. It it lowered the cortisol and blood pressures of Silicon Valley in general. But that was hardly the end of things because we're still hearing about SVB subsidiaries being taken over in certain areas. And there's still a lot of fear, but it does seem, I'm going to, just stick my nose out a little bit here that 
the immediate crisis has been contained. And now the question is, is there a second crisis? Yes, exactly. I like completely think that's the same vibe. I think a lot of people were like collectively relieved, but cautious. And so like you couldn't really like you maybe you slept through the night tonight, but you didn't like sleep in. You woke up and you got back online and tried accessing your SVP deposits. But as you and me reported this morning, um, now that we're breaking news reporters all of a sudden. Apparently. <laughs> um, First Republic Bank, they're, you know, they are one of the banks that we saw VCs turn their founders to um, who are looking for a new place to park their cash. A lot of founders I spoke to were wiring their money from SBB to FRB. And now those shares are down. And last time I checked, trading has been halted. So a lot of people are really worried that this is going to happen again in some way. And I know me and you have been talking about the journalistic pressure we have too on not trying to add to a bank run by talking about fear of bank run. Yeah, there's there's a nuance there. So we actually really kind of looked at the numbers and, and chewed on them and we're like, huh, this is not good. But given that we saw a similar decline in the value of SVB stock before it ended up being taken over by the government, it seemed reasonable to point out that this other bank was going through a very similar sell-off. Now, there's a difference, though, this time around, because part of the package of news yesterday from the FDIC, the Federal Reserve, and the Treasury Department was that the Federal Reserve has set up, and I quote, additional funding to eligible depository institutions to help assure banks have the ability to meet the needs of all their depositors. So what the government here is doing is saying, please don't panic. Please calm the f*** down. Not only have we fixed this issue, we have a plan for potential other issues. Relax. Everybody breathe. Have a decaf Americano. (laughs) And then no one did that. And then everyone's still freaking out. If you look at the stock market this morning, uh, and we'll talk more about stocks, you know, in general throughout the week as we kind of keep track of this, but bank shares are down. You know, it's it's, it's just, it's brutal. So, uh, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, my Gosh, what a couple of days. I I mean, and and to be clear, I had no money at Silicon Valley Bank. I'm just watching this and it was super stressy. I can't imagine the pressure that founders who have employees and, you know, just more responsibility we're feeling. It's crazy. Totally. I mean, to give you a sense of my weekend in San Francisco, beyond the reporting, it was every time I left the house, it was a topic of conversation. My friends are lawyers. They are bankers. They are founders and VCs. And so everyone was, you know, working through the weekend. And when I was in my Uber, the Uber driver was saying that he has money in SVB. I mean, I think it is clearly so beyond quote SVB. Um, and we're only starting to feel it, but I'm curious, like vibe entering the week, like what are your top questions, priorities? Like, how are you approaching what might be the biggest news cycle since COVID? Oh yeah, easily. So, I mean, we're chasing this all over the place. So just for example, Circle, the company behind the USDC stablecoin, had several billion dollars in Silicon Valley Bank they couldn't access. That led to a de-pegging of certain stablecoins. That has mostly recovered, but remains a very big story. I want to know where startups are going to put their capital in the future. Will it be a more distributed setup? Will the kind of ironclad rule that, you know, if you bank at SVB or your VCs bank there, you have to bank there too to get access to certain venture debt. That's got to go away. I'm curious to see if kind of middle tier sized banks survive in any capacity. I'm curious if we're going to keep up the charade of pretending that FDIC deposit insurance is capped because apparently it's not whenever there's a crisis. I'm curious to hear how people approach banking reform. Like what regulations do we need in place? And there's a lot of nuance there if you want to get mad about how to prevent this from happening again in the future. And then fintech. I mean, Natasha, we've talked about fintech for a billion years, but they're often built on top of smaller banks. Yeah. And how are those banks doing? How is fintech doing? So that's on my mind. I'm curious, though, same thing to you. You know, you're the early stage person in the room. 
What's going on out there in your world? I mean, we could literally ask every question that we asked when quarantine first hit, when COVID first hit and do it and change it for this. So if you're overwhelmed, we're here with you and we will talk you through this as calmly and caffeine fueled as possible. But I feel like if I kept it brief, like my big my big thing that I'm focused on trying to answer is what whiplash happened to the industry and what beyond relief, unfortunately, is going to stay with the tech community as time goes on. I feel like a lot of VCs have a lot of answering to do. And a lot of VCs have like broken their trust with founders and vice versa. I think there was a lot of people, employees aside of SVB, a lot of people were hurt. So I just, I feel like I'm just focusing on the tech rebuilding story. I think that's brilliant. And I, I have two thoughts about this. One, some VCs over the weekend got to work with their personal checkbooks. You wrote about this. We heard about this. And I, I'm, I'm sympathetic that not every VC out there is working with a multi-generational fund that has tons of personal capital and can just write six-figure checks. I understand that some people are smaller funds, smaller AUM, first-time fund managers that don't have the cash. They get a pass. But for VCs that do have money and weren't just writing checks, they just lost market and mind share to the VCs that yes. did. Yes. And and then the question is conservatism, essentially. So VCs were already pulling back. They were a little bit scared. Their LPs wanted to see that you know money was going into companies at a fair valuation, dealing with paper marks. There was a lot of issues there that we already knew about. Throw this into the mix. How conservative do LPs yep. and then VCs get? And then if that's the case, if they get more conservative, do startups have to pull back even more? Is there less capital available? Will it be more cost cutting? How much does the fear ripple effect actually wash out into the greater shores and shoals of startup land? I don't know. But I wonder if that's going to be a big issue. It's the downturn collapsed somehow. It got worse. And so I feel like that is the story now is it's it was bad. And now it's even worse. Oh, uh, the downturn collapsed. That's a, that's a hell of a phrase. Let's end with some positivity. Yeah, this could have been a lot worse. The government was quick. There were things in place that we could use to solve the immediate liquidity crisis for depositors, to be clear. Mm -hmm. That's good. Startups are going to make payroll. That's good. I know it's thin, calm to say that things could be much worse, but yeah. they could be much worse. No, I think you're so right. I actually got emotional last night on Twitter. You know, maybe even though 48 hours earlier, everyone was fighting. Like when that announcement went through on Sunday afternoon, I think the relief, like it was felt and I, I'm happy it was felt and I think people should enjoy. But we definitely want to hear the good news stories too. So we're trying our best to talk to as many people. I'm sure there's things we're missing. I feel like there's definitely some, there's a lot of strength in the tech ecosystem that I'm sure is like going to continue to play out too. Absolutely. We are really out of time, but don't forget equity is back in short order and we have lots more coming for you. In the interim, if you want to stay up to date with what we are doing and all of our reporting, you can follow Equity Pod on Twitter. I'm Alex, of course, and I tweet under the handle Alex. You can also use the code equity to save money on tickets to early stage, I believe, and also for TechCrunch Plus access if you still need it. But in the meantime, we're going to go back and get busy reporting. We care about you. We hope you're doing well and that your week is better than your weekend. Equity Mondays are hosted by myself, Editor-in-Chief of TechCrunch Plus, Alex Wilhelm. We're produced by Teresa Locansolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, Alyssa Stringer leads audience development, and Henry Pickovet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week.